Hello and welcome to Enough Liquor, a podcast where at least we're not bitter as we discuss the greatest television show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 106th episode in the series, Rose Fights Back. (laughs) At least we're not bitter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a good intro. That's great. I really like this one. Um, You know, we get to see uh, Pepe reincarnated um chick venera as uh, enrique moss for the first time which is really exciting and it's you know we also have a great b story yeah justice for him i i think it's great that they bring him back because he's like he's so he was so great as pepe like he you know the yeah. um half man i cuban hands and then in this role i really like it because like they do there is commentary on his race um yes of course because god forbid we have somebody who's not white without that but it's pretty good and like it's him sort of being like you know what was i like right similar thing like who were my role models right and then um but it's not like the centerpiece of his story which feels you know so um like the bar is so low but i must i have to call that out because it is it's progress Exactly. And I think, yeah, it's reflective commentary on race coming from the person who's the minority on the show, which we talked about a little bit with Marguerite, where she like sort of deflects, you know, like, by the way, I'm black. If that's a problem for you, I'm white. You know, like it's just like putting it out there. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, but what's interesting is uh, to my knowledge, there's actually no, there's just like the slightest commentary of like the, you know, culture's classic a uh, clashing rather is when like you know he's like you can call me Enrique and she's like I don't think I can <laughs> yeah and that's actually a really good joke like that's actually putting Rose in like sort of the buffoon's you know st- seat as the white person of like I can't actually I'm not as skilled as you to like make these troll sounds so anyway I, I think I think to your point like yes god forbid we just make him a dude who happens to be Latino but like but but this compared to so many others in terms of like the race angle is just way it's ahead because to your point it it defined him he's already super successful he doesn't give a shit that you know he happens to um you know (laughs) have his his two role models be a gay caballero and a man who could not recognize (laughs) his own wife and a fake mustache so (laughs) a big fish in a really big pond yeah (laughs) so good Oh, he's so great. Um, I yeah, know, I, he's really good. Uh, I agree with you. I love this one because I love both storylines. Yeah. The A story is so good. And like, I love, you know, like, I think it's a really good combination of like real um, sort of like character reflection and character development of Rose. Because like, again, she's yes. kind of struggling with um, her financial Employment. situation. And like, it was a real thing. Like, you know, pensions got cut off. And they, I was reading... Um, when I was doing research for this, I was reading this, an article from the New York Times. Um, and basically it was just like companies, particularly insurance companies gave pensions to everybody, which mm-hmm. was a huge mistake because then they ran out, which makes totally. sense. Cause you think of Charlie as like this mid-level insurance slash horseshoe salesman <laughs> and like <laughs> he had a pension. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, the company spending sort of like willy nilly. Um, and then obviously the shopper's warehouse story is just like, every single thing about it is funny. <laughs> mm-hmm, totally. But like, think of the dichotomy of both of those, right? Because that, the B story is about money as well. And it's like, yes, you know, we have this whole like religious experience of Sophia being like, thinking she's Thank immortal. Blue. <laughs> so <good. laughs> it's a 
amazing. Um, but <laughs> and I, I just, every time I think of like the religious experience, like I think of Dorothy mocking her by saying that of like, Jesus Christ, this is consumerism gone mad, you know? But that's the premise, right? Like in at this time, this is when Costco's growing and all sorts of like these like deals because people are fucking feeling it because we're in the Reagan years. We're about, you know, the Bush years, all of this like, it's just, it's a mess. So it's, it's kind of interesting how they're vaguely interconnected, at least in terms of like the premise of a shopper's warehouse style store. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think like, what do you, so what do you think when you're saying like character development of Rose, like, what do you think about, if you think about this episode compared with, you know, when Rose is <laughs> writing her resume <laughs> way resume. back in season one, your resume, um, you know, what's, what differs i think i think there's a little more directness a little less emotion in terms of like feeling completely helpless but i'm not sure it, it kind of feels like the same ish situation yeah no i agree i think it's a little more rooted in um it's a little bit more practical frankly because like i do think right she's not trying like you know the hot we joke about the hospital administrator thing but like that's crazy that you that's the job you're applying for so like, i know and I at know. least in this part she's this a little bit more, more like level set you know um i also find this to be like her to be um i don't know if you'd say like more mature i guess that sounds mm. sort of weird for somebody at the stage but like i do kind of think that that's the, the word that comes to mind because she like she always panics, right? Like her initial reaction to these things is always panic, which I actually think is a yeah. really, really um, smart move on the writer's part. Like even when Blanche is going to sell the house, when she gets this letter, like obviously when she, uh, in job hunting, like her, she can't even like allow for a light joke because she's too nervous when she's right. opening that letter. Um, and then like she kind of snaps into action and she has that that line where she's like I don't think I ever doubted that I'd land on my feet but like I didn't know if I could live here yes. which I think is sort of what I'm talking about in like terms of maturity like she's not gonna she's not gonna end up like the the homeless lady that she references because like if she needs to she could go live with her daughter or so you know like she could do something. totally she's got she's got a support network but like it's not what she wants and it would be hard like it's not to say just because you won't yeah. Like you have somewhere to go that it's like totally fine. So I don't know. I guess like that's what I would say. What do you, what do you think about? That's, her? that's a really good commentary of like, it's yeah. More practical is probably the best way to define it because I was trying to say like less emotional. She is emotional, but in job hunting, there's this like, ah, like throw your head in the pillows type of like <laughs> performative nature of it. Not that it's not coming from a real place. Obviously it is, but yeah, it's, she's just a little more, a little more grounded and like, and sadly of like, I've been here before. <laughs> I've yeah, done this already. yeah, it feels um, like she's been around. <laughs> yeah, last time, you know, she had the mysterious waitress job at the diner. <laughs> and we never <laughs> heard about job. again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, there is, there is that sweet element of Rose again at the end of this being like, you know, I don't want to leave here. And I, I love, I love how you, we're talking about like when you're in this situation and this kind of reminds me too of like when you know i i have absolutely never been poor i have a support system i come from a lot of privilege to your point like i at any time in my life i could like call upon different people if i was ever in a financial dire straits but at the same time too you're like 
maybe I wouldn't be able to do exactly what I want, but I would have to take like X job or Y job or X gig, <laughs> Y gig at this point, right? Um, to, to sort of make ends meet, to like, to do something that isn't ideal, but just gets it done, you know, from a survival yeah. point of view. And I think that that also is a privilege that you even have those available to you or you have the ability to do it physically or emotionally or what, whatever it is. But it's like, it's really interesting to think about the levels of like, this is not exactly what Rose wants. And obviously the ideal would be <laughs> to not have to even be here in the first place, but um, but she has gumption, right? Like she she actually is the one that sort of like talks back to Ricky. He's like, wait a minute, I'm here on an, on an age discrimination case. And like, you're turning me away. Like she calls him out on it. And he's like, yeah. all right, sounds great. You know, I mean like that, that calling out, I couldn't see Rose season one doing at least in the job hunting piece, you know? No, I agree. And maybe that's like a Dorothy, like a, a Blanche Sophia, like, you know, yeah. that, that is the like influence. Yeah, and I think that what you were saying about, um, like, knowing that you'll land somewhere, like, you'll be okay, yeah. I think is certainly, a, yeah, definitely, that's a privilege. But I, I also think that, like, there's factors of, like, humiliation and, um, like, I, I think like that's the word that really comes to my mind is like humiliation. And that's a real, that's real trauma. Like, I yes. you know it's certainly not the same as like, not having support like not having the means to like live somewhere but it's not nothing and so I think when she's considering mm -hmm. like where to go or like you know what what what's going to happen like that is factoring in and then like I do think that that piece of her talking about um you know the the lady that she sees like that is such so much the crux I think of like mm. our society's like issue with homeless people is like when you're oh able God. to dehumanize them it's fine you're not bothered yes. like whatever but like the second that couldn't you be have me. to like right like the second you have to imagine them as like a real person mm -hmm. I think it changes and like hopefully it makes you a more compassionate um person and voter <laughs> but like <laughs> correct <clears throat> um but I think that that's a really well executed like the delivery is amazing Betty White's so good and yeah. like I'm glad that the Rangers did that because I think like you know the picture of homelessness particularly at this time um thanks to Ronald Reagan is like like the crack epidemic is is rising there's like these narratives of like welfare queens and things like that and so I think that why Rose saying that the audience imagines this homeless woman to be like an older white woman. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating that you need to do that to make people be like, oh, you know, feel bad for them. Totally. But like, I think that that's, that's a really big, subtle move by the right. It is. I, I like it, it is. It's not, it's not even that subtle, I think, because she's like, she, she even says like, I always wonder what she did to get yourself in this right. mess. Like she must be stupid. And it's, it's so interesting because that, that bag lady scenario is almost always possible in America in what in the, in the way that we have a complete lack of safety net and like thinking right now to the crisis of like people who can't feed their kids with formula we have no leave we you know people are losing their jobs en masse people who work minimum wage can't even afford a bedroom somewhere I mean like it's absolute madness like to the like the, the the sinking level of the 80s and then we're right back where we started and there is still rhetoric that many Americans believe that these people are just they haven't pulled themselves up by their bootstraps get a job get a, I mean like all of this 
vitriol is unbelievable. So it's just like, it's, that's always real. And so many Americans don't get it that that's part of our society. And I think you really hit the nail on the head with the humiliation piece. Cause it reminds me of the Kate Brown, like the failed American dream. And in her, in her book, you know, when she was, you know, dissecting the golden girls, Rose was like the representative of this sort of greatest generation here that literally if you couldn't make it, and I think this is similar to the baby boomers as well, and as, as they age in our society today and are looking at younger generations of just thinking that you did something wrong. Like you, you should be humiliated if you can't make it in the American dream sense. I mean, like this whole conversation about, you know, millennials and Gen Z not being able to afford houses. They're just like, oh, well, you know, you're just spending it on frivolous things. And you're like, just take a minute to take a look at wages and housing prices and what we've done to our country, right? Like this is like this, there's the humiliation for yourself that you sort of keep internally because you don't match like the narrative of what you were told you deserve, right? As, as an American and typically a white privileged American, but also then there's like putting humiliation on other people similar to a bag lady scenario where you're just like, well, you know, I mean, they must've done something wrong. And to your point where you're like, okay, now I don't have to worry about it. You know, (laughs) they're they're dehumanized, they're humiliated. Like, I don't have to worry about this and have headspace about it or be concerned for a fellow citizen and fellow human being that I, you know, share space with in this country on this earth, because it's, it's a moral judgment about like, oh, they fucked up something. So the end. And like, yeah. that is exactly the work that the writers are doing with Rose here. It's fucking Rose Nyland. Like you can't be, it's, exactly. she's not doing anything wrong, right? She's just trying to live. And I think that your point about like, Rose has those views. I mean, I don't think they're, they're right, malicious right. or they're like mean, but like, she does think that anybody can make it in America. And she right. does think that if you're not, you're lazy and like, you know, all of these things. And so I think that like, again and again, she kind of gets slapped with this this reality that like the American dream isn't real. And that's what Kate Brown wrote about too, is like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. And I think also that is boomers. Like they don't, you can present them with facts after facts after facts. And they're just like, well, I was able to buy a house by the time I was 25. And like, yeah, you know, like all of these. One salary. My wife stayed home. She, she breastfed, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Fuck we it. didn't have genders we like you know like all these like crazy <laughs> ideas that these people have and like it's just we so... didn't have genders <laughs> i love it hey and much it's respect just... to the boomers we're not trying to super yeah no shame here. obviously no shame. like no shame like my my parents like for the most part really get it and like you know there are a ton of people and i'm not i'm not you know there's shitty people in our generation as well this is not a generalization you know hashtag not all boomers but i mean right. I, for the <laughs> most part we we as you and i are elder millennials i think we are really feeling that from like the perspectives of at least people who have a lot of voice and are spokespeople yeah. people for that generation yeah totally for sure. Um, and you know what else about this? <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> to me that Rose wouldn't- Wait, are we to- getting political? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's crazy to me that Rose wouldn't be hired as an assistant manager at a pet store. Who would be more qualified for that job? Oh my God. I refuse. For real. For- <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> Mary, that's your discrimination case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. For real. Like Rose would absolutely be the exploited worker because she would stay after hours just to like cuddle with the puppies more, you know, <laughs> uh, not get paid. For it. 
um yeah oh my god and then uh, the thing I wanted to bring up is when she's talking about the vacations they took and she's like one year we went to Chicago to tour the stockyards and like oh my god that as an elaborate vacation is like exactly what I picture people from Minnesota in the like 40s and 50s doing you know totally big trip like living the jungle in their life I, yeah oh my god seriously but of course that that does make me think of the jungle and it makes me think like rosa are you gonna watch the animals get slaughtered like i'm really i'm really surprised yeah, it doesn't you end were just well. looking at the, you were just looking at the pens outside it's pretty gross i tell you yeah, it's really not like a relaxing <laughs> atmosphere oh, I yeah, 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 yeah. by the way you can actually in chicago go back to they still have the archway that used to be the entrance to the stockyards that is like the one vestige um of of it remaining fun fact wow cool well the more you know <laughs> the more you know <laughs> um <laughs> i say this because i'd be the kind of person to go on a fucked up vacation of like chicago stockyards yeah I've been i there. mean you know i'm an upton sinclair fan um yeah. anyway <laughs> uh so i want to talk about shoppers warehouse because yeah. two things one well i mean are you a costco I'm, member <laughs> i'm not but Michelle's family is, and I think they have the generational trauma of whatever Sophia has going because like, I'm not kidding you. Like you open their freezer and like one time we found like half an avocado in the freezer and we were like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you know, like they have like three fridges. They have Christmas cookies from two years ago. Like, oh my God, it's just like they're big, big savers and they love Costco. And so they buy everything in bulk. And, um, but is it because feel, of a waste thing? It's like that we can't waste this. I mean, they don't want to waste half an things, for sure. They don't want to waste things, but it is, I think, this like this inherited fear of like if we run out of something, what will we do? And the answer, yeah. you know, like in their situation, is like you'll go to the store and you'll get it. It's like half a mile down the road, you know. But like, <laughs> but that's yeah. so. I do think it's real, like the the feeling of it. Yeah. And I also think the like. Um, the Sophia's thing about like, I feel like if I have all this, like God won't let me die until I use it basically is like, I'm sure that that's also very real for a lot of older people. Like, I think the buying in bulk thing, like there's some psychological implications of it. Um, but I will say I do love Costco. I love to wander around. I would buy five cases of pickled onions. And I also thought of Ev, Sarah's daughter, because you, she loves sardines. So I was like, absolutely. It's perfect. I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with a kind of a graham cracker cookie crust um <laughs> absolutely i think i think what's interesting is like there's definitely the buying in bulk and sort of the like great depression era like let me just save any scrap because i might be able to use it later um mentality like that that's super connected with the the extreme side which is hoarding right like i i've done right my great aunt my great aunt was a hoarder and i've done a lot of research on hoarding um and <laughs> Like, it's too bad there's not like a distinct hoarding episode. This is as close as we get with the Golden <laughs> Girls because I, I have a lot of fucking opinions about it. But um, anyway, I read a really interesting book called Stuff by basically um, the the guy who was the original, like I studied hoarding like as an actual psychological disease, right? Like as an offshoot of um, obsessive compulsive disorder type of thing and like kind of found patterns right so I absolutely believe based on like the reasons that people hoard 
some of which are these like, or actually most of which are these emotional reasons, right? It has nothing to do with logic. It has nothing to do with just like, well, I'm saving half an avocado because I'd like to make toast later in the week. I mean, it, it has nothing to do with that. It's more of the emotional things that sound bizarre to other people, such as Sophie saying that right. she feels immortal when she buys, you know, a fucking gross of toothbrush. Oatmeal cookies. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, but it's great. I mean, it's just, she's, she's just a, a laugh riot in this. I mean, even from the very beginning of just like, Dorothy, your father's on the phone. My pop's been dead 15 years. Oh, right. I meant what's for dinner. Like just like perfect, bizarre, like stereotypical old person behavior, but like her face almost laughs at herself when she says it. She's like, all oh, right. I meant what's for dinner. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh my God. It's so good. And like, I love that like Dorothy continuing to get mad at her but Sophia like continuing to go and like that is so funny because like there's not a direct confrontation exactly like Dorothy's just like subtly disappointed and like nervous for Sophia to keep going here but she insists on it um yeah and everything she comes in with is is so funny I the toothbrushes line gets me every time she's like so you and your brother Phil won't fight over who gets them like I know how good (laughs) But uh, even when she, uh, you know, when she's talking with Rose, right, when in the very beginning of like, she's talking about, she says, call what's his name, you know, she makes a recommendation. <laughs> what's his name? And, um, you know, Blanche is giving Rose advice and she's like, be sure you dress youthfully. And Rose's like, how come? And she's like, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so basic and so great. So to the point and like, oh God, it's, it's amazing because it's one of those situations where in real life you would crack your shit up as opposed to just stare like but obviously in a sitcom you know that's that's not how it rolls um but I absolutely love I absolutely love that entire part where she's just like I this is this is just basic facts Rose like I why are you looking at me straight yeah (laughs) Rose with the hairy legs um (laughs) yeah exactly I also want to talk about that, the last scene, because like, or the, when they're all product testing, because so, well, oh yeah, she goes to the station, right, and like, um, it reminds me of a scene where, uh, another Sophia shining moment, where Sophia tells Abby that Rose doesn't want to be her friend. Yes, well, it's definitely the same, it's the same, same for sure, of course, Um, which I love so much, and then like, it's a little too, I I like it, because it works, but it's like, so on the nose, and Enrique, Enrique's like, no you're too old and then Rose has to like you know kind of come back but I I thought I think his explanation of like there's me the the consumer activist like the guy who kind of started basically this work and then there's this like persona I think is really true of like TV people particularly of consumer reporters I'm sure um totally but like you know eventually he like becomes uh he like understands and he gives her the test and yeah. I just like love them all talking about the first time they shave their legs and like oh my god I know becoming what loose. they're gonna <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm loose for a year and a half um Which, by the way like I don't know isn't that that's a little that's pretty risque to to use that phrase. very much <laughs> um I'm like Dorothy's like this says it's gonna hurt because it's like the thing that like I know like, I don't hits. know if I want to use it <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny but the best, all right, so go, but going back to the station, right? So Terry Franco, the little assistant lady, she is the lady from Donnie Darko that heads up Sparkle Motion. Did you ever see Donnie Darko? Oh my God, yeah. She totally is. And 
What Another range? fun fact, <laughs> even earlier than that, she is the lady from Speed who steps off the bus step oh, <laughs> earlier <wow>. in the movie. <laughs> wow. I know I remember like staring at her I'm sure she's in many other things but those are like the two that like really stand out but um I just love she's like try to make you make you look stupid well we can only (laughs) hope um but to your point about the the sort of two sides and Enrique calling that out I thought that was interesting because that's just like celebrity culture in general right like that's just like calling out what it is of just like look I'm me and then I'm me that you know <laughs> but like it's they we have very different motivations it's right really it's very realistic and I think like also really like to his point like he's like I can't like he's got a career too you know like he's got a exactly exactly um the really big fish in the big pond right um, that's what he's going he's going to the network. exactly <laughs> it's so great um but the uh so the the conversation of like shaving above the knee you shave above up. the knee yeah it's so funny what does that say to them hopefully it says touch my leg which oh my god so sexual and like, yeah i can play it in my head like the whole oh, scene i know it's just it's so great and it feels that conversation feels very akin to these other like framed classic conversations like the one from you know the the first season where it's like the example of Susan Harris talking about pulling out the mirror and looking over it or like looking you know uh, at it from um, below Um, or when they all talk about like losing their virginity or like you know or just like sexual experience or things like it's a nice encapsulation of just like this femininity among older women like kind of reminiscing and of, of course then Blanche saying things like loose and touch my leg <laughs> yeah it's, like, it's very uh, it's super sexual <laughs> it's very sex in the city I feel like it's like the yeah. first like and like I think it's a it's a thing that's like plucked and used in a lot of places is like okay we have four women around like let's uh talk about the first time they shave their legs you know like something like very or like the first sleepover whatever it is yeah it yeah comes exactly. up here too. it's like it's such a an experience of like a teenage girl mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> does this mean no cookies oh man um <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so what um i i'm just i'm just trying to think of like you know the the shop i just want to go back to the shopper's warehouse thing for a minute like the religious experience <laughs> piece of it like in your in your experience where you know you were talking about like Michelle's family like having all of this and like having some sort of emotion attached to it I mean it's it's played for laughs here but I'm just trying to like dig deeper into it from like the theme of Sophia of like she's always like not like ready to die but she's like the character who has it's present at I mean least, I yeah, it has, yeah at least like the most regret right <laughs> yeah I'm sorry so sorry no 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 lack of like lack of regret is what I'm saying like she she's kind of just like I think she would be comfortable if like Grim Reaper popped in and like the four of the of the four of them she'd be like whatever (laughs) yeah well she's old right like she's old she's she's old but even her personality too right like even if Rose were her age like she would not handle it as well right right Um, that's true and obviously Blanche would not because she would refuse to believe she was that old but (laughs) I just think I think it's interesting of like there's a lot of these themes, like the, the immortal theme, but like, or just like, I have to finish this or like thinking about her will, <laughs> like your breath, like you, you were saying the toothbrush yeah. like, it almost, to me, it almost kind of goes against like the regular Sophia vibe, right? Like there have obviously been parts where 
um in the show like obviously with the bubble she's just like no I'm I'm going to my husband you know and they're like step away <laughs> from the light you know like we're not ready um but I think it's interesting because this this to me is like one of the few times she approaches like almost fear or like she's like outwardly saying like I'm trying to delay things as opposed to just sort of rolling with life and being like yeah whatever you know um yeah that's just, an interesting just, yeah. that's an interesting point I think um I feel like actually like Sophia's approach generally is like she kind of veers away from emotion a little bit um yeah which yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. obviously I can relate to and so I feel like she um when she's like talking about like death is like oh well you know I don't know maybe like <laughs> we'll see what happens like that I think is sort of like an unemotional um kind of logical approach that I think is real like I think I don't think it's like her lying or whatever but I think maybe in this moment I also think like maybe she just isn't really having it and she just want to keep shopping at shoppers warehouse and she doesn't right. actually have this like emotional connection totally. but she she can recognize that somebody would or that like oh yeah. like maybe it's like a fleeting thought which I think I also is probably yeah. realistic and like like oh if I have all these oatmeal cookies like I'll definitely have to get through them but I also think like she just wants to keep shopping there <laughs> yeah that's true that's true can I get you a sardine sandwich? <laughs> I love that part where Dorothy immediately is like, we have to practically get rid of this. <laughs> Come on. This better be hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So good. It's a oh great episode. It, it's a really great episode. I, I will, I just have to call out one line that we missed from the beginning where we're talking about she read, reads the newspaper and says, no prudes. And then Blanche. <laughs> again ever so sexually like using like a lot of tongue when she says the word she goes that's my pile <laughs> it's incredible oh no god prudes. oh my god so no good. prudes <laughs> <laughs> oh man well I, that's all i've got for this one me too, me too. all right i'll join us next time we're going to discuss what happens when a brown bear and a field mouse want to mate <laughs> take care